Welcome to the Prophecy Club. For this broadcast, I'm going to assume that I have prophecy students listening. Prophecy students in that they believe that, yes, we are in the last days. Yes, they believe that we do not have very long until the tribulation starts and great trouble comes a great test. It seems like so many people want to say that what they want to avoid prophecy. They want to like put it on the back burner and just ignore it. And they sort of say, maybe they don't say this, well, I guess I have had them say this to me, but many of them don't say it with their lips, but they say it with their heart. And they say, well, all of this is just over the horizon, somewhere down the road, over the rainbow, someplace out there. One of these days, Jesus is going to return. But until then, don't bother me. Okay, let me sleep on, let me enjoy my life, you know, eat, drink, and be merry, and tomorrow we die. They really don't care about prophecy until they think it's really going to happen in their lifetime. So before I get into today's topic, which is what the Antichrist looks like and some things the Antichrist is going to do. First of all, I want to give you a little bit of understanding. Now, look, if God would just tell me the date that America falls, the date the tribulation starts, and the date that he would return, that would be wonderful. And then a few people would listen if it's close. But if it's not real close, then they would just say, well, call me when the tribulation starts or call me, you know, two days before America falls until then. Don't bother me, son. Get away. You know, well, unfortunately, that's the wrong attitude. So first of all, let me pop a few of those bubbles. I do not think we have 100 years to the return of Jesus. I do not think we have 50. Oh, Stan, are you going to set a date? No. Believe me, I will tell you a date as as soon as God and his awesome wisdom and his revelation knowledge decides to tell me. But until then, I do not know. But I will tell you that I do not think it's too long. I think saying that it's 20 years away is probably being too generous. I think that we have, well, let's put it this way, 2020 is 400 years since the Mayflower Compact. 2020 is 40 years since Dimitri Dudeman was giving the warning that judgment is going to come upon America. So those are two kind of indicators that we're getting close. Now, did I say America falls in 2020? No, I did not. However, Terry Bennett tells me that the angel Gabriel told him that 2021 is the year that America falls. Now, I didn't say that. I'm just quoting someone else. I can give you lots and lots of reasons why it's very close. And that's the whole point. Because if I tell you, okay, let, let's say, if I were to say 2023, you know what most people would say? Well, call me in 2022 and a half. <laughs> Don't bother me till then, son. <laughs> but the problem is, it is close, my brothers and sisters, and that's why I've got to tell you these things today. So, now, in the last broadcast, we were talking about wonders. So, wonders is when someone is being totally struck, awestruck, mesmerized, they're shocked. They're taken. Everything, I mean, they stop blinking. They stop the, the little movements that people do in life. They just like freeze, and they're just totally engrossed with someone. That is going to be what it's like when someone sees the Antichrist. The Bible says, And the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall go into perdition. Now listen carefully. And they that dwell upon the earth shall wonder. What's that word wonder means? It means they're shocked, they're spellbound, they're mesmerized, they're taken with this guy. And they that dwell upon the earth shall wonder, whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. Now listen carefully, 
when they behold the beast, that means when they see him, when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. I'm not going to go into all of that was and is not. That's too complicated. It gets me off my topic. What I'm trying to say is if a person is not watching for the Antichrist, they'll swallow him, hook, line, and sinker. If they're not already saved, if they've not already asked Jesus into their heart, they're probably going to be hooked by this guy. All they got to do is just see him. He looks so well, uh, like the one person said, he's, you mean he's going to be tall, dark, and handsome? Well, actually, that might be a pretty good description of him. Ken Peters and his DVD that we made of him back in 2000 called I Saw the Tribulation, where he lived through the first three and a half years of the tribulation until he was beheaded, and he saw the Antichrist, and he said he was a man that had olive-colored skin, and he was the most beautiful man he had ever seen. Then you just heard Maurice Scalar here just a couple of broadcasts ago say that he was one of the most handsome men that he had ever seen when he saw him, him in his vision of, of the courtroom of heaven. Now, that's not one I necessarily get to today. That's kind of a, a catch-up to where I want to go today. I want to talk about what he's going to be doing in these last days. Now, part of what I'm going to say, yes, I understand, though I'm quoting different scriptures they're saying the same thing. Well, the reason that is is because the Bible says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a thing be established. So if it is a major doctrinal point, let me say it again, if it is a major doctrinal point, it is always found in the Bible twice. That is the King James Version. If you're reading one of those perversions, start a fire with it. Get you a real Bible, King James Version. Anyway, so I'm going to start in Daniel eight twenty three. And this is going to be shocking and enlightening, the things that I'm about to show you. So it says, in the latter time of their kingdom. So what I'm about to tell you, this was not happening 40 years ago, or 400 years ago, or 4,000 years ago. While it was spoken, I think it was like eh, 2,500, 2,800 years ago. I have to look it up someplace a long time ago. In the latter time of their kingdom, that's when this prophecy is speaking of. When the transgressors are come to the full, that means when there is very little light in the world and darkness has just about taken over the entire world. Then a king, now look at this, listen carefully, a king of fierce countenance. What's a countenance? Well, it's the expression on your face or it's the way you appear. So he has a fierce countenance specifically. Now, of course, to us that sounds like he's, you know, like scary looking. But, of course, uh, Maurice Clark said that he was wearing what appeared to be epaulets. In other words, like a military man wears. And he said he was very military acting. Well, that kind of sounds correct in that if he's going to be the leader of the world, he's going to be very militaristic and probably ruling over the military. A king of fierce countenance means he looks good, brothers and sisters. I, it's it's not just the, the women are going to be taken with this guy. I'm telling you, the men are going to love him. He is going to come across very militaristic. He's going to have the solution to everything. He is going to seem like God in the flesh, and that's what they're going to say he is. A king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. He's going to appear to have the answer to everything. He's going to have the answer to our immigration problem. He's going to have the answer to our cancer problem or the other things going wrong with our body. He is going to have the solution for everything. Never mind, they've been suppressing now over 6,000 
patents for a long time, things like anti-gravity, yeah, that sort of stuff is real. They've all been suppressed, and that's a topic we may discuss, probably not another day. But anyway, we'll go on to that. Verse 24, and his power shall be mighty, now listen, but not by his own power. Why is it not his own power? Because in Revelation it says, and I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast, and they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast. They worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast. In other words, it is Satan. This is Satan's man. He is walking and talking, and he is Satan by spirit. Now, I think he's not just Satan. He's also the Antichrist. But, I mean, just like the, 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 with the man that was legions, remember he says that there's many demon, demons in him. And even Jesus, God the Father, sits on the throne, but so does Jesus. So, we, we know that two things can be inhabiting the same space, spiritually. His power should be mighty, but not by his own power. And he shall destroy wonderfully. Okay, now what does that mean? He shall destroy wonderfully. Does that mean that he's going to destroy uh, great things like with atomic weapons? Yeah, probably, but that's not what it's really saying. He's going to destroy wonderfully. That means that he's going to destroy completely? Well, yes, that too, but that's not what it's saying. When he says wonderfully, it means that he uses wonder to destroy. In other words, in that he looks so good, and I'm going to tell you here and just say, well, another place in Revelation says, and he was given a mouth, speaking great things. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and them that dwell in heaven. That's what we're talking about. So he's not only given a supernatural good appearance by God. It's all part of God's trick. It's part of, wow, God would never trick us. Wait a minute. So all those not come to the knowledge of the truth would believe a lie and be damned. In other words, because they love not the truth, because they wouldn't receive the love of Jesus, because they kept refusing Jesus when he was basically thrown in their face year after year after year. I mean, when I was a kid, you couldn't turn on the TV or turn on the radio on Sunday morning but what you heard somebody preaching Jesus. And you could drive down just about any street and about every third corner there's a church. And every place you turned, there was somebody handing you a Bible or a track or something. But you see, po folks got tired of that. And they got tired of people thumbing their nose at them and turning away from it and walking away. But not of his own power. He shall destroy wonderfully. In other words, because he is so shockingly beautiful, shockingly intelligent, militaristic, he's got the answer for everything. And as a result of that, he destroys people. He destroys people with his beauty and with his intelligence and shall prosper and practice and destroy the mighty and the holy people. Okay, who is the mighty and the holy people? Okay, well, what do they say about America right now? Well, we're the greatest nation in America, human history, American history. We're, we're the great. We're America the great. Yeah, we're right. We're mystery. Babylon the great, the mother of hardest abominations of the earth. <laughs> Revelation 18. So it says, destroy the mighty people. Well, that would be America. And the holy people, that would be specifically the Christians. And where would you find the mighty people? That would be America. And where would you find most of the Christians? That would be America. So I believe that that is a direct point toward America. Let's go on. And through his policy, also he shall cause crafts, craft, as in C-R-A-F-T, craft to prosper. 
Now, does that mean that he gets all the people sitting around making baskets, basket weaving, and weaving these little uh, trinkets and things? No, brothers and sisters. It's talking about like witchcraft as an evil. Under his policy, he causes evil to grow, and he shall magnify himself in his heart, meaning that he is very arrogant, self-centered. He wants it his way or the highway. Everybody has to worship him. That's the, I mean, see, Jesus, the reason, the whole point of him washing the disciples' feet. And you remember, Peter says, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. The reason is, is because he was making an example. In the kingdom of heaven, even the greatest, meaning Jesus, serves the smallest. In the kingdom of heaven, we serve each other. But this guy is going to magnify himself in his own heart. He wants to have all of the world to worship him. He wants to make them, to force them, to require them, and says, if you don't worship me, you're not going to eat, boy. You will not have a job. We're going to mark your forehead. We're going to mark your right hand, and you don't get to buy or sell unless you worship me. That's his heart. Let's go on. And by peace shall destroy many. How can you destroy people by peace? Well, look at uh, you know, you see in, for example, some of the beauty pageants, the girl gets up, and I'm for world peace. Well, what is world peace? It's world government. You see, they want to say, well, we can't have a world peace until we have all of us have the same government, and that guy there is leading it. Until we all have the same God, and that guy right there, all pointing to the Antichrist, that guy right there, and he is God. He is the God-man. Look, we can't have all these other gods. You, you can't have this Jesus guy. You can't have this Buddha guy. You can't have none of that stuff. Everybody got to have the same God. And so he says, by peace shall destroy many. Look, you will be a rebel unless you receive the Antichrist. You will be a rebel, and you will be cast out, and you will be, I start to say beaten, but that's really not correct. That's not what the Bible says. You'll be beheaded. And I saw under the altar the souls of those beheaded for the word of God and for the witness of Jesus, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither received his mark on their forehead and their hand, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. That's beheading. In other words, part of what he's going to do is a lot of beheading. Why? Because now think about it. What is the thing that probably most people, especially Christians, fear the most? It's beheading. It's like, oh, no, you know. Can't you just poison me? I'd rather you electrocute me. I mean, drown me, anything. But, but don't be happy. That's because that's the one that brings the most fear, because that's what he's going to rule by. He's going to rule by fear, my brothers and sisters. Let's go on. Shall also stand up against the prince of princes. Now, wait a minute. I thought Jesus is king of kings. No, that's not correct. Let me say it again. Boldly and correctly and clearly, Jesus is not king of kings. Yet, he is right now, according to Revelation, I think it's chapter 1, he is the prince of the kings of the earth. The prince of the kings of the earth. What's a prince? Well, that's a guy that's in line to be a king, but he has not been anointed a king yet. So if Jesus is prince of the kings of the earth in Revelation 1, when does he become the the king of kings in Revelation 19? The answer is at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Marriage supper of the Lamb takes place on Pentecost. And again, we talk about all of that in my book. Get my book. I explain it all to you. Anyway, explain it. By the way, that's a Texas term. That's a good term. Like y'all. You know, uh, <laughs> you listen to the radio program long enough, we'll get you talking correctly. <laughs> anyway, we, we love you. We love you. All right, let's, let's go on here. Okay, so 
he shall stand up against the prince of princes. So that means when he stands up, at that point, Jesus will not be king of kings yet. And if you've got my book, you understand what he's saying there, because prince of princes, well, Jesus is still prince of princes at Pentecost. But on Pentecost is when he goes to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That is where he is crowned king of kings and lord of lords. He has given many crowns and a vesture dipped in his own blood. And he's also given a name written that no man know it save he himself. And at that point, he changes from being the lamb to the lion, from being the prince to the king. And at that time, he has given great power and authority. And then about four months later, on trumpets, he returns as the king of kings with the morning star, and he puts down his enemies. That's the reason this next part of this phrase says, but he shall be broken without hand. He's not destroyed by hand. He's destroying, well, here, Revelation 19, it says, And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered to make war against him that sat on the horse and his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet, which wrought miracles before them, which with which he deceived them that received the mark of the beast and them which had worshipped his image, these both were cast alive into the lake that burneth with fire and brimstone. Here it is. And the remnant were slain by the sword of him that sitteth upon the horse, which sword proceedeth out of his mouth. And all the fowls were filled with their flesh. That, my brothers and sisters, if you'll get my book, is the morning star. Jesus is the bright morning star, but he gives the morning star to some people. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them. And judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those beheaded for the witness of Jesus that had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither received his mark, or in their forehead or in his hand, and they lived in the reign of the cross for a thousand years. Those are the morning star judges. One of the nations during the 1,000-year millennium, if they see a morning star judge shows up, hits them with the morning star, they fall to the ground, a pile of ashes and bones. Obadiah 1.9 says there will be ashes under the soles of their feet, and that destroys both body and soul. Now, we've had a lot of fun in Daniel chapter 8. Now let's jump to Daniel chapter 7. We're going to have more fun understanding the end times. Daniel said, then I would know the truth of the fourth beast. Yes, we skipped 18 verses there, and I'd love to cover those verses, but man, I, I start talking Bible prophecy like this, and people turn. They, they don't want to hear it. I mean, I can see the views go down, and it's that's sad, but one of these days... One of these days soon, they'll wish they'd been learning and listening. Anyway, I would know the truth of the fourth beast. That's the world government. That's your Antichrist, which was diverse from all the others. Now, what's that word diverse? Man, I did a lot of research on that diverse, uh, That word diverse. And essentially what it means is the lion, which is of England, the eagle's wings of America, the Russian bear, and the Islamic leopard. Those are all kingdoms of this world. But the fourth beast he ascendeth out of the bottomless pit. That's the reason he says he is diverse from the other ones. He's not like all the other kingdoms. Those kingdoms rose up out of the water or out of the people. But this guy ascends out of the bottomless pit. That's why he's diverse from all others. Exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron. That means he's of the Roman Empire. That means the Antichrist is coming up in the EU, the European Union. And his nails of brass, that's the Grecian Empire. That's saying the same thing which devoured and break in pieces. Now, what does that word devour? Does that mean he goes around eating people? No. It means that he is going to conquer all of Europe for sure and eventually the entire world. He devoured and break in pieces and snapped the residue with his feet. That means that the lion, the eagle's wings, the Russian bear, 
the Islamic leopard, all of those are crushed by this guy as he forms his world government. That's what it's saying. And of the ten horns that were in his head, now that's where they take the seven continents, divide those seven continents into ten global regions. Each global region has a ruler. Please listen to this. This is a little complicated, but if you want to understand where the Antichrist is coming from, you want to be able to spot to him, you've got to get this. Okay, so ten global regions. Each global region has a head or a ruler. And of the other which came up and before whom three fell. Now, what it's saying, let me make this perfectly clear. When they form a world government, which in my opinion is probably two, three, four, if we're really lucky, maybe five years away. I'm not trying to set a date. I'm just saying it's not 100 years, okay? When they form a world government, you're going to see 10 global regions. Each global region has a global ruler, but one of those 10 global rulers will not be the Antichrist. He's not on the scene yet. You'll see him when he rises up and overcomes three of those other rulers. That's what this is saying. Of the which came up before whom three fell. So before him, as he rises to power, three of those other global rulers will be overthrown. Even of that horn, that's the Antichrist, that horn, the little horn, that had eyes and a mouth that spake very great things. We'll see that fits in with Revelation 13. He was given a mouth speaking great things, and he opened his mouth and blasphemy to blaspheme his neighbor's tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven, you see, brothers and sisters. Now, go on. Whose look was more stout than his fellows? Look, we just had him say up here earlier, he is a king of fierce countenance. In other words, he's going to look good, brothers and sisters. He will look good, he will sound good, and everything about him is deceptive. He's a liar and the author of it. I'm saying if you don't get Jesus in your heart now, by the time you see him, it's too late. I'm not saying you can't get saved. I'm saying it's going to be very difficult. Now's the time for salvation, brothers and sisters. I, look, can I just be straightforward with you? If, you? if you listen to this broadcast, you haven't accepted Jesus. If you knew what was coming, if you knew what I knew, you would get on your knees tonight and you would beg Jesus to come into your heart, beg him to forgive your sins and make him Lord of your life. If you don't, then you will. You probably will take the mark of the beast, and you will probably be cast in with the beast, the false prophet, and Lucifer, where you're tormented for all eternity, tormented forever and ever, day and night, and there uh, remaineth no rest for those that worship the beast, his image, or whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Let's go on. And even of that horn that had eyes, and a mouth speaking very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows, and I beheld. And the same horn, that's the Antichrist, made war with the saints and prevailed against them. Well, that's what Revelation 13 says. And it was given him to make war with the saints and overcome them. Power was given him over all kindreds, tongues, and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life, slain from the foundation of the world. Yes, I've memorized Revelation. Until the Ancient of Days come. All right, that's Jesus. And judgment was given unto the saints of the Most High. And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. So, once we see the Antichrist, it's saying that he will not be put down. No one will defeat him. He will be victorious in everything until Jesus returns on the Feast of Trumpets to defeat him with the morning star. Out of his, the breath of his mouth, the way he brandishes his sword with the breath of his nostrils, and he hits him, and he falls to the ground in a pile of ashes and bones. That's what happens to his body, but... 
His soul is cast into eternal damnation, and he is tormented day and night forever and ever and ever. The beast, the false prophet, and Lucifer, and those people that take the mark of the beast. Don't take the mark of the beast. Don't take the mark of the beast. And he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom on earth. In other words, the world government, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the earth and tread it down and break it in pieces. Form a world government. And the ten horns out of the kingdom are ten kings. That shall rise, and another shall rise after them. That's the Antichrist. Meaning, first you see the world government. First you see them divide the globe into ten regions. Then, after world government's formed, after the ten regions and the ten global regions, then you see the Antichrist rise, and you can spot him because he overcomes three of the other regional rulers. He shall be diverse from the first, and shall subdue three kings. And he shall speak great words against the Most High. That's not good words. That's terrible words. And he shall wear out the saints of the Most High. That means he will defeat them. And he not only defeats them with bullets, but even more important, he de defeats them with words and ideas. That's the reason. If you don't get your name written in the book of life now, if you don't get those people that love you or love that you love into the book of life now, they see the, uh, this beast and probably they're sunk. Probably. Again, it's possible, but it's extremely difficult. But the judgment shall sit. And they shall take away his dominion, that's the Antichrist, and consume. I love that word consume because that's what the Morning Star does. It consumes and destroys both body and soul. Get my book, explain it all in the book. And destroy it unto the end. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given unto the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey him. Let me talk briefly about my book. I just got what I thought was one of the nicest reviews on the book. Stan, here's my comments on this wonderful book. It's easy to read and surprisingly easy to understand. I must say that up to this point, I wasn't clear on understanding that much of the book of Revelation. But my spirit bears witness that Stan has perfectly assembled all the pieces into one final masterpiece of events. And to sum up my personal experience, I would have to say it like this. Reading the book, The Secret Door to Understanding Bible Prophecy, has been a supernatural experience. I actually feel the anointing increasing in my spirit when I read it, when I look at it, and behold the words in their proper correctiveness. This has created an unusual phenomenon of compelling me to want to keep coming back and back over and over rereading it again, even though I sort of understand it the first time. This reminds me of how for years I've heard people and pastors say that the book of Revelation is the only book that promises the reader will be blessed when reading it. But I've got to be honest and say I looked for and never found any such blessing until now. Stan has truly been given the keys to unlock and unravel Bible prophecy. The proof is that your anointing will also increase while reading it. This is probably an added gift from our loving Father to counteract the content which reveals graphic final events. Thank you, Sister Joy. The book, 1 for 20, 5 for 30, 10 for 55. It's called The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. 1 for 20, don't do that. 5 for 30, 10 for 55. That way it gives you other copies to give away. My standing challenge is read the first 13 pages, and I believe you'll start giving the book away. I believe that you will be stunned with good news. Matter of fact, one of the nicest compliments that I continue to hear is it's taking the fear of the last days away. You know, that's what they try to do with the pre-trib rapture. Only what I'm hearing is this book is taking the fear 
of the last days away by helping people to understand it. If you're not signed up for the Sevenfold Miracle Crusades, go to sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com and get yourself signed up. This coming Friday night, see the start of the greatest miracle revival in American history. Yep, I said that. Sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. Get the book at prophecyclub.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your prayers and thank you for your gifts of support. God bless. The Sevenfold Miracle Crusade is the start of the greatest miracle revival in American history. I'm sure of it. We're building an army of prophecy teachers and miracle workers to bring in the remaining names in the Book of Life. People who feel a desire to teach prophecy to a scared, uninformed public in panic having found themselves in the end times unprepared without understanding. People who desire to be used in sevenfold miracles greater than any in the past should be at this crusade. We will all break our three-day consecutive fast at our Passover meal April 19th and follow the footsteps of Moses through Passover, unleavened bread to the crossing from the sin of Egypt to the sevenfold promised land of first fruits. I will personally anoint and lay hands on all attending to receive the gift to teach prophecy and to walk in sevenfold miracles. This is not advertised to the public. This is for prophecy students who want to be empowered to serve in the last days. SevenfoldMiracleCrusades.com to register. SevenfoldMiracleCrusades.com. Sign up today.